Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? All right. Well, do do you have any pain points? Is anything getting you stuck right now? Sounds like everything's going very well. Yeah, I mean, everything is going great, and we are scaling, and our numbers are, are where they're supposed to be, and, and you know, I, I'm seeing a lot less of the pie than I did last year. Like, as far as my net goes, I mean, I'm maybe right on what I did last year, maybe even a little less, but, you know, I know that that's all part of the grand uh, plan, and um, and that's fine, but... Um, it just can be, but it, it can be, but we do need to figure out like where that money went and make sure that, you know, like for example, that your margins are where they should be. Because uh, mm-hmm. revenue, yeah, I mean, doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, are you pricing profitable jobs? Have you broken down? Uh, have you done job costing? Uh, do you track your crew hours and things like that? And did you take? Do you, is your cash position smaller than you wanted because you reinvested in equipment, or did you upgrade something, uh, or is the money just not there, like you thought it would? be? Yes. So that's the thing, and I, and I understand why it is. It's because of equipment. Um, you know, last time we talked, my goal was six crews next year, and a six hundred thousand dollar revenue. I feel confident that if we have four crews at forty five hundred a week. We can hit a close goal to that, um, but what I want to do instead of up to six is because if I start adding more and more crews with the equipment that we have and the systems that we have in place, we're going to end up just having not a good uh, business at a scale because we're, we're really um, we were using X jets instead of uh, downstreaming, so there's tanks that would need to be bought. So what what I've changed is I want to instead I want to uh, enhance our efficiency by getting, um, you know, downstream tanks on the crews and on the, on the, uh, on each truck and just up our equipment a little bit. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. You know, I bought a nicer power washer, just one, and then I got a, a tank and a pump and all of that stuff to, uh, pretty much so we can downstream off of one. And that has worked out so well. And we've literally cut our time on a house wash, I would say by 50%. I mean, this thing is so much easier than, than having to lug the, the power washer around. So I want to get four of those, so that's the goal. And that's what I've been pumping my money into is equipment. Um, How much do you think you've spent uh, this season on reinvesting in equipment? I would say on equipment itself, I probably have $4,000 or $5,000, and that's probably been with August. In August, I probably spent about four or five grand. Yes, and all this. Before okay. that, probably in grand for the rest of the year, to be honest. Okay. And does the business have money? Are things tight with cash flow? Yeah, yeah. So we're, you know, we are, we are the profit margins are the same. I guess I, I miscalculated that when I first initially talked. The, the difference is, is I'm putting my, the, more of the profit money into equipment this season than I have initially. So that was, that was the biggest difference. Do you feel that your pricing is as high as you could? 
Yeah, I feel like our prices are, are perfect. I've troubleshot a couple of different price points um, as far as higher, and I, and I feel like we're having a lot more success with where we're at. The one thing I have definitely got way better at is uh, package deals. So I pretty much kind of copied your old estimate sheet with your package, and then I mm-hmm. uh, added a couple of other things in there, like deck staining and, and gutter cleaning and things we do. And our average ticket has went from, I think it was like 330 last time we talked, to around 390 So we're up at 60 bucks. Um, I still feel like the reason that it's so low is because a lot of people just want gutter cleaning, and gutter cleans aren't high tickets. You know, they're on average about 150 to $200. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to package those together, but there's just it, it's harder to do there, so it's kind of lowering our, our average ticket. But okay. you know, as far as well, it, would, it would be interesting to, to figure out I mean, you're big enough now. I wouldn't want to distract you. I mean, the main things you want to do is stay focused on hitting the goal and stay focused on sales and marketing and hit the goal. But if you were uh, had a few minutes and you could figure your average ticket for garter cleaning individually and your average uh, house washing individually, that would be valuable because then we'll figure out what your average margin is on those services too, right? Um, I see. You know, so it's just a strategic thing to do because gutter cleaning might be more profitable than house washing. I don't know. It might not be because you're driving around more and doing smaller jobs. But it'd be really good data to have. Gotcha. Okay. And I do feel as though, without even looking at the numbers, that gutter cleaning is probably our most profitable service. I mean, $150 gutter cleaning takes two guys like 20 minutes to do. The key there, obviously, is grouping, grouping them and, and, you know, with the drive time short, but... Um, okay, so I've got that breakdown average tickets per service. I'm just going to write down some stuff here. All right. Sure. And then I guess the main, the main reason that I wanted to give you a call is I, I plan on making a, designing a sales team. Uh, the only issue is I don't necessarily know financially, like, what I should be paying them. I don't even have any bearing at all to base this off of because there was I, – I just don't know. Did you say a sales team or, like, a sales – one salesman, one person? Well, right, I've got one guy that uh, I had a really close friend that uh, sells mortgages, and he had a guy that used to work for him that he said would be really, really good at cold calls. Um, so I wanna, I, I'm doing an interview with him on Saturday, so I'm going to talk to him and see what I can get correlated there. But I also want to get a guy, which I already have a guy in mind, and he already has sort of a game plan set up at the as a sales rep already, and I want to get him doing what I'm doing right now. So pretty much what I'm doing is going out and doing estimates all day every day. Um, you know, Where are these leads coming from currently? So uh, it's probably a, a split between HomeAdvisor and Angie's List. Those are our two highest that come. And we've built a referral request system into our entire customer lifecycle. So that's also up a lot. So I would say that the number one, obviously, is repeat. And then the, the three below those are going to be Angie's List, Home Advisor, and Referrals. Okay. But you're not doing any proactive paid marketing. You're doing more. Well, I mean, Angie's List you pay for and Home Advisor you pay for, but you're not doing any type of strategic campaign. You're just kind of holding on for the ride, and the amount of leads that you're getting are exactly where they need to be for you to hit your goal this year, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. And what okay, do you mean so, by that? Like, what what would be... Well, what I mean is, is like, okay, there's two types of sales. Uh, there's proactive and reactive. Reactive are... Both both kinds are good. They're great. 
a referral is reactive. Angie's List Home Advisor is reactive. Uh, at Google AdWords or like someone that searches you and finds your website is reactive. What that means is is that you don't have any control over the quantity of deal flow. So like if you get 12 calls a month from Angie's List on average, I we have no way to make it turn into 53 calls, right? It's just 12. It is what it is, right? Now, proactive marketing is when you create a lever. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about this, but a lever is something. It could be anything. It could be door knocking. It could be direct mail. It could be yard signs. It could be driveway bags or clip flyers like Pat Clark does. Anything that you actually measure and build a system around where you, to a large extent, can control it. For example, with our company, if I wanted to go get, you know, a 100 new customers, we had a lever to do that. And we use these really simple postcards that our teams would have. We'd do tens of thousands of them. And they'd hand them out by hand. And they're set up a very specific way. There's handwritten prices and expiration date. Very, very, very simple stuff. But that's a lever because I already know that for every thousand cards we put out that we're going to get 10 phone calls we're going to, or we're going to get 12 phone calls. We're going to close like eight or nine of those jobs, right? And I already know that my average ticket is this. So in my business and what I, I teach people to do if they don't have enough leads coming in is you have to be doing proactive marketing. Uh, and it's like, it's just, it's a lever, right? So if, if you were passing out door hangers and you had the right design targeting the right areas at the right time of year and the right strategy and you hit the same neighborhoods three or four times in a row, if you did that, you would find out that each door hanger was worth $4 to your company or something, you know, because you might spend I don't know. Let's say let's say that you spent two hundred bucks to get out a thousand of them, but you know that you're going to book ten jobs off of it, which is worth thirty nine hundred dollars based on your average ticket. So you know that two hundred bucks equals three thousand bucks, right? That's a lever. That's proactive marketing. And so once you get your team big enough, you can start doing. This is how you're going to scale way bigger really fast. You're going to have to do proactive marketing to get past wherever you're at now. Because think about this. Next year, um, you're going to get a really similar amount of Angie's List and Home Advisor and referral uh, leads that you get this year, right? It's not going to triple out of the blue. I mean, it could, but it probably won't, right? So mm-hmm. maybe 400000 is the size of business in your area with those types of leads. Maybe that's it, right? But you want to go to six to seven to eight hundred thousand quick. You're gonna next year. You're gonna to have to sprinkle in proactive stuff too. I Is that confusing? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so and then with salespeople, there's two different types of salespeople that you just described. Number one, the first guy that's gonna do estimates. That's not really a salesperson. It is. It's a valuable position. Like you got to have the right person that could talk to customers. But they're more of an order taker. They're not responsible for generating leads. They're just following up and selling packages to people. And so you want to pay someone like that different than someone who's a real hunter who's going out and clubbing down whales and dragging them into your business, right? So I like to differentiate. So if it's an order taker guy, I'd probably pay someone um, a base salary plus a small um, like stipend or bonus for every job that they book but it wouldn't be super, super expensive or anything like that. Um, for the other guy, though, if he's doing cold calling and all that, you just pay him a commission on every job that he gets. Um, and the way that you figure out how much to pay him is we have to figure out what your profit margins are, right? 
that's why it's important. So there's a lot we can talk about here. Um, let's I'm writing it all down, so I can pretty much. I'm just uh, just give me a mind dump. I'm writing it all, and then um, I, I can I can take action on it later. Okay. Okay. So let's say. Okay. So first of all, when you hire someone to replace you, you want to make sure that you have already kind of standardized everything that you could about your job. I mean, are, are you spending a lot of time in the field, or are the guys doing all the field work at this point, and you're doing bids all day? Um, I'm still in the field from time to time. I have been this month to show the, to show some training on the new, because I'm the only one that's done the research on the YouTube videos and stuff to get the, the, the roof washes, which literally I just started doing the roof washes, and I'm, that's why I'm actually out in the truck right now. While they're doing a storm job, I'm going to have them come out when I do the roof wash and show them how to do it. Um, do you have an, a full-time office manager? We do, yes. Okay. And does that person spend a lot of time calling past customers, getting them to give you reviews, uh, pushing stuff out on your social media, or is she just answering the phone and scheduling jobs? So she's answering the phone, scheduling jobs, and working on our databases. What I've kind of done is I've, I've uh, integrated responsibilities with your your SIMGM, and I put them both together to where um, we're kind of trying to automate. And I also have a, a, a bird eye, which, which passed through the reviews. So I'm kind of systematizing all of that. And also another thing I like Good. about ResponseBid is it gives an admin email. So pretty much she checks her email in the morning, and it shows the estimates that I did the day before. I'm sorry, the jobs I did the day before. And her job is to follow all of those, see how it went, and then try to get them back in the schedule at a later time. And I've got a system set up to where it will give her an email six months after the job if they haven't booked and then a year after the job if they haven't booked. So she has that all systematized to where it's working. So right now she's really focusing on those and also doing some kind of grunt work in the systems themselves to, to get everything added in right. Um, and that's pretty much what I've got her doing now. She also books sales on Facebook, so she does a little bit of sales and she gets a commission. Beautiful. That. that is the best answer I could have hoped for. You're doing all the right things. Like, you should be really proud. Um, I just wanted to make sure that you had that dialed in before we worried about salespeople. And so, because you'd be doing it out of order. But you have that. That's awesome. Okay, so sales guy. Let's say that you someone gets you a residential house wash for 400 bucks, And let's say that you're, you figure out that your profit margin is 30%. Okay, and you have to figure out your own labor and everybody's labor, all bills, everything, you know, distilled down against that one job on average, right? So let's say it's thirty percent. So what it means is is that your business actually made one hundred and twenty bucks off the four hundred, mm-hmm. right? So when you want to pay commission to someone, uh, my philosophy is you shouldn't pay more to a sales guy in commission than you would pay if you were doing proactive marketing. Um, really. So if you could just run ads or buy radio commercials and people called your office manager and booked on the spot, like how much would that cost to acquire those customers? That should be like right around the same that you pay a salesperson. My target was 50% of net profit as the max. Technically, you could pay, you could pay the whole 120 technically and it wouldn't cost the business money, but the business wouldn't make any money. Um, on the first transaction, but because you're going to keep that customer for the next 10 years, it's still a good deal, even if you paid 120 but you want to be profitable immediately, if possible, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's so why it's really little, important. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. This no, no. example that you gave there, let's say it's 400, 30% profit, 120 
Um, if I, uh, let's say, I would have to break down the hourly, see how much it costs, how many hours I had to pay them to get it. So what I'm thinking is a small a commission to this guy, and then also an hourly. If I'm paying, let's say, an hourly of, I don't know, nine bucks, and it takes him two hours to get um, a job, um, that'd be 18 bucks. And if I paid him 10% commission, that'd be 40, so that'd be 58 which is right at what your revenue buddy has told me I need to be paying for at a max. Well, the max is 61, and that's roughly right where we're at. So our customer acquisition cost is 59 right now, so I feel like I, feel like I understand that. <laughs> that's so. awesome. I was just kind of using fake numbers, but they're pretty much the same. So, yeah, if you spend 60 bucks to acquire a $400 customer, that's great. Like, do that all day long. It's a money-printing machine, right? How you break it up is up to you. So you can pay him a, a salary and then give him – a small percentage or something or, you know, whatever. Uh, just try to pay attention to it to make sure that you don't go over that 50% of net profit okay. mark on app. Because sometimes you hire a sales guy and they're only getting little tiny jobs. And it, it just depends. But he, here's the most important thing. When you hire this person, you have to give them a completely structured work schedule. Like you cannot rely on them to do anything in terms of time management on their own. This is the biggest mistake I see people make is they they don't get, like this guy needs to have not only a, a very detailed job description, but he needs to have a, a tight schedule. It says Monday from this time to this, this time, you're running in-person estimates from this time to this time. You're going to make 50 calls to past customers on Mondays. You're going to make 50 calls to commercial prospects on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You're going to do this and this and this. And then you don't, I don't know, your crews, they have some sort of a work log, I'm assuming, that they fill out, right? Something throughout the day to track what work's being done. Do, do you have something like yes. that? Okay, yes. you need that for the sales yes. guy. You need to create a daily accountability-based work log for the salesperson, right? And so your job at first is so you give them this extreme structure, and then you cheer him on and coach him, and you listen to his calls, and you tweak it. Hey, you know, why don't you stand up when you call it? Either your voice inflection is a little this way or whatever, or you go with him on a few estimates and he mirrors you, and then you go with him and let him do it when you mirror him. So you want to really pay close attention at first, and if it's, it's if it's really working, you can step back, but you need that daily report. You need to know, I did this many estimates today, I booked this much in revenue, this is what my daily commission is, this is how many outbound phone calls I made, here's like, you know, some notes of it, something interesting that happened today, whatever so that they're continuously accountable. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess what I need to do is do a little of uh, some boots on the ground on myself. As far as for the, um, for the hunter sales guy, the one's passing out the flyers, I, I, I need to go out myself and see roughly how many flyers I can pass out roughly an hour, and then I can base that off of that and say this is roughly what you should be passing an hour. Um, and then I want to pay him a low amount. And, and, and when you say salary, uh, uh, I don't have anybody on salary. Everybody's hourly here, so so the, explain. Yeah, that. I mean, that's okay. It's it's like tomato, tomato. You know, the, it, how you right. pay is way less important than making sure the total pay works for your business model. Okay. Um, Do you? I'm a big fan your, of breaking apart pay into lots of little chunks yeah. and stuff. You know, but oh yeah, you don't have um, to do yeah. that. I mean, there's lots of big businesses that do it totally different. It's just whatever you pick it has to be profitable. Okay. Then when did you start doing salary? Okay. So we started with hourly when we were smaller, maybe even smaller than your size and all that. And 
but like some of the hours were inconsistent or during the slow time they weren't getting enough hours and people were always panicked, right? And then we'd pay overtime. It, it just felt like a mess. So then I thought, you know what? Let's do salary. So we did salary. Well, then people started getting lazy and doing the things like, and then I said, oh, God, yeah, that's now what Yeah. Right. So we actually didn't do straight salary. We did what I call the hybrid. So everybody got a small weekly base. And the reason we did that is for security reasons. Like employees crave security. They're super freaked out. Um, you know, so the crew leaders have a small base. It wasn't enough to make them happy, but if it rained all week and thunderstormed, it wasn't their fault. They'd get something, and we would bear the risk of that. But then they could double their weekly base or more through hitting revenue numbers, right? So each truck would have, and there's, in the boot camp documents, there's, there's a little matrix that showed kind of our pay structure in Michigan. And I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was like you get a $400 basely check no matter what, but, you know, if you hit, you know, 3500 in revenue, then that becomes 700 If you hit 4500 it becomes eight or 900 I can't remember what it was, but that's kind of how we broke it up. So it was, it was a hybrid. I see. Okay, that is something I plan, I think I need to start, I need to do, to be honest, um, because a lot of the fear that a lot of guys have, and I know that um, I think it was Brandon Vaughn or somebody along the lines has made uh, having a whole winter off a great thing, but I don't know how he's doing that because that, to me, no one wants to have a winter without work. Um, you know, and I've, I've got a couple guys that just take the unemployment, but I'm up, that ups my unemployment rate. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to be able to, you know, so for, for crew leaders, I guess I should probably start dabbling with a, with a, with a salary. Um, well, you got to be careful, man. I mean, don't, Look, your business is doing great, but if you start putting people on salary and stuff and trying to take care of them through the winter, you're just going to destroy all of your capital to try to grow your business next year. Like, you got to be, you have to be profitable. You cannot yeah. treat your business as uh, like a charity. You can personally be as charitable as you want, but you'll just get stuck, man. You know, I just had a guy I was working with for months named David, and I just couldn't figure out why our plan wasn't working. So he started working with me. I'm talking to him. Uh, and he, within 30 days, he's having record months, biggest ever. Sales are coming in. We built a lever. We're doing all this stuff. I had him fire all the cancerous people. We made a couple hires. Things are rocking. But he had no money. I'm like, why don't you have $20,000 in your checking account right now? And he had been hiding from me that, you know, he's a really super nice guy. And so he kind of was just paying his guys regardless if they had the hours for, like, the whole first six months of this year. And he gave away all of his money. <laughs> he had no money. <laughs> he literally just, you know, oh, yeah, I got you. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah, I'll pay you for a full week. That kind of stuff is a little bit today. But over the course of a year, it can eat up everything you got. Okay. So I'm going to really have to strategically place this. I think I have a good way to do it and just test the waters maybe one or two guys. Because I, I know well, you, you got to identify actually. your key, like you identify the key cornerstone people that you have to have next year to right. build a team around. And it's okay to take care of them and stuff, but you still want them doing revenue generating stuff. So in the winter, when no one's hiring you, um, we did have a couple people that we floated through the winter on a small salary. But they had to come in and data mine commercial lists and make phone calls and rebuild systems and go through a whole process and do training and all kinds of stuff. Make sure you're extracting value for the money that you're investing. 
in those just one, probably in your case, one, maybe two key people. And then when you hire people in the future, it does need to be part of your recruiting um, that it's not a surprise about the winter. You know, it shouldn't sneak up on them. They should know you're going to make a whole bunch of money. You're going to work outside. It's going to be awesome. Um, and we're a seasonal business. You know, they, they need to know that. You'll be shocked at how many people come back because they won't okay. figure it out in the three months that they should figure it out. They just won't. They'll just sit there and take an appointment and come right yep. back. Yep. We would, offer, we would offer a bonus to people for coming back, too. So if you came back and you worked 90 days from the day you came back, then you get a $1,000 bonus. Oh, nice. Okay, so there is some small incentive things to keep people, keep the retention, which I guess retention isn't necessarily a problem when I have. I mean, I got a great crew full of people that they come back day in and day out. I mean, I, I never have anybody no call, no show. I mean, it's just we have a really, really, really solid team. So, you know, yeah, I can so it, with next year not, not having an issue, but... It's going to get trickier when you start adding more yeah. layers. But I agree. That's what your training program's for. You got to have a really good training program at the stage that you're at. This winter, that's what I'd be obsessed with. Um, okay. Other, it should only hurt you if one of your key rock star leaders leaves. If you hire a tech and you train him in a week and he's super awesome and he's doing his job and he leaves, it should be a tiny little speed bump, you know. Okay. And you you overcome that by recruiting lots and lots of people to talk to and having a really good training program. Gotcha. Okay. When we would get ready to fire people, we would interview, hire, and train their replacement before we fired the person. And and the person would start in the field the same day that the guy got fired. And it was like nothing even changed in our business. Right? Okay. Okay. Sounds really mean. Um, But (laughs) sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree, because all these people that I have working for me now are teammates and friends, and we, I've got, I think, nine now, eight or nine. But um, I'm going to get to the point when we keep adding crews that I'm, I'm going to run out of people that I know. You know, so we're going to have to start hiring new people, and I, we're going to run into the no-call, no-show, and all of mm-hmm. that. We're going to run into those pain points eventually. I just haven't hit it yet. So, yeah. So I, I You're doing great. Plan for that. You are a beast. Thank you. I got to give it up Thank for you. you. Doing big stuff, man. Right on. So, um, do you want to recap here to make sure I answered all your questions? Um, sales yeah, guy so, questions. I mean, I guess what I've written down here, I'm just going to go to this. So, um, I need to break, so the actions I need to take are, are going to be a, a breakdown of average tickets per service. Um, um, I wrote down the proactive and reactive examples so that I can figure out how to get some proactives, which we used to pass flyers, we just stopped doing them, so I need to get that system in place. Um, sales guy one is the estimator, um, so he's... And that's the first hire. Don't hire the mortgage guy who's going to cold call people first. What you want to do is you want someone to take the job you're doing first, then you become the cold call guy so that you can systemize that, and then you hire a guy to do that. So right now, okay. your time is spent running estimates, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need to standardize that process. Like, what's your policy on how quickly you do an estimate? How many in a day can you do? How much time do you spend on the job site? Start trying to pay attention to 
what's your process when you get to the homeowner's home? What do you say when you walk up there? What do you do when you do the walk around? How do you price? You know, do you count windows? Do you look at time? Do you do it two or three different ways? When you present the pricing, how do you explain it to the homeowner? Like the things you're doing naturally, start really paying attention to it so we can write write it down so we can train someone on it. And then you'll hire someone to do that job. You're going to hold their hand. You're going to be with them. And then kind of gradually they'll be doing it. Now, once they're doing it, then what you can do is focus on commercial big ticket sales. How do you data mine? What types of industries are you going after? Are you going to specialize in assisted living? You don't need to do like 600 things, right? You might not even need to do any outbound commercial prospecting to hit your goal this year. It doesn't sound like you're going to have to. So if you don't have to, don't don't make it more complicated than it has to be. But, you know, next year when your estimator is knows what he's doing and he's almost as good as you and he's crushing it, you know, and you start doing, you know, these, these cold sales, maybe then you hire someone to do that. You have to do it first yourself or else you can't teach them what to even do. You're just going to be guessing. Okay. You know, it'll just be frustrating for everybody. What about, I mean, because I wanted to get uh, Boots on the Ground guys, you know, initially I just had the cold call in, in the flyers, but what about just getting him started? Right now this guy doesn't have any work, so he's, he's in a, it's just a day or two a week of flyers, you know. So I, I, think that's fine. Like, I don't consider that a sales okay. job. I hire right, high school right. kids to do my flyers. Like, it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miserable job, really. You get sick of it really quick. So you want to anticipate having a lot of people come and go. Or, you know, I've had kids throw handfuls of them right in the garbage and say they passed them out. That's you gotta, what I'm worried about. Yeah, you got to. Well, yeah, there's ways to overcome that, um, which I can explain. But to me, that's not a sales guy. When, when you said commission mortgage sales guy, what I was thinking in my head, maybe incorrectly, was he's going to go get you ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar, you know, property management, oh, yeah. assisted living. I he's going to work a real sales job, build up okay. a pipeline, and start closing whales for you. Awesome. That is what okay. you want to systemize yourself before you hire that guy. But All if you're just trying to right. help the guy out, yeah, if you're trying to help him out, um, it's perfectly appropriate to have him pass out stuff and. You just want to provide where he's going. You don't leave it up to them like, hey, go pass these out somewhere. No, you say you're going here today. There's this many homes approximately. There's this many flyers. You're going to get paid this for that for today. And then all the people that book, you'll get a little bonus of you know 5% of the job, something like that. Or maybe okay, and then you that. said... You said that you had a couple of things that you just that you did to alleviate people throwing them in trash cans. Yeah. Could you run those over real quick? Yeah, you need someone to run points. So what we had this huge map, this huge gigantic map. You want to get organized before you do this. And we had this map, and we would target, and it would circle and have pins and draw with markers on all these different neighborhoods that we wanted to target, right? So you figure out that first. Then you break people into teams to go do it. So it's, it's harder to justify it if you're just going to hire this one guy to pass out a few flyers. The, the, the better way to do this is you hire five guys to do full-time flyer distribution, even if it's only for a 90-day temporary employment going into the busy season in the spring. You hire those five guys, and then you put someone on point on top of them. So what happens is they're all assigned territories. They all go out. And then the guy who's in charge of it is in his truck just circling through 
all of those different people because he knows where they all are. He knows what they're doing. Um, there's forms. You standardize it. You can use Voxer, for example. Um, there's some apps where you, you know you have maybe five guys and they're all spread out, but you know where they all are. And you can drive down the street and see that all the flyers are where they're supposed to be. You know approximately how many are supposed to be given out for Bob. He had a 300-home route today, and Tom, only he had a 400-home, and Billy only had 175. But you see what I'm saying? You need someone whose their entire yeah. job is accountability over that, you know, street Okay. Team. All right. That actually sounds like a really good idea, and I've thought about doing that before, um, just making it a flyer. <laughs> um, you you know, can make a million dollars just doing what I just said. People overcomplicate everything. You yeah. don't have to do, like, 16 ninja SEO tactics and all this magical stuff. It's like target the right people with a really personalized card that has, you know, handwritten stuff on it, and it's, you know, maybe references the street they're on or something, and just hit them over and over and over during the right times of the year. It's free money. Okay. It's always works. Gotcha. It only doesn't work if you do a little bit and then stop, or... Yeah. You do it during the slow time because you have no work, but no one wants to hire anybody right then, so then that's not going to work. Or you don't hit them multiple times in a row. Okay. All right. I see. And then um, I have I have something else on that, um, but I, I forgot what it was. That's fine. Okay. So I, I feel like I want to do that. I feel like I want to get, you know, a couple. I mean, not five, but if I were to just get a couple of guys passing out flyers, but I just would need to troubleshoot it. I have the capital right now to be able to to, to troubleshoot, figure out how much it, we're going to get off of each um, flyer, and then uh, and, and go from there. But um, don't yeah, be scared really of being inefficient. Don't be scared of even wasting money, because if you if you really do this and and pay attention to it and work through the annoying parts of it and, and pay attention, okay, why why did this subdivision call but this one didn't? Why what's going on with it? If you figure it out. It's game over. You see what I'm saying? It's like magical fairy dust. Once you figure out the right piece for the right people at the right time of year with the right offer, and then you have your, your office worker doing using the correct script when they call, it's it's just game over. You can scale as big as you want, as fast as you can hire people. Okay. I like this because I never really realized the difference between proactive and reactive. And as hard as I try to hustle, it's just like I'm constantly pumping money into reactive things. And they work. They work great most for scaling. But if I get something built around, I don't have to pay attention to the mercy of the market, and I can I can really push out more people doing certain things. I, I feel like that'll really really help us out, and that'll that'll man, that's 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 gold. I feel like for sure. So I need to activate that immediately. Um, but uh, but what? It, okay, so another thing, and I had passed out flyers, and I had the guys do five rounds and stuff like that at jobs. But the thing that really sucks is the, the personal writing down prices. It takes forever, you know. So mm-hmm. how how did you do that? I mean, did you just have like a rough system? I had that too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, what we did was we used a small, medium, large uh, tactic. So what we do, we'd order twenty thousand cards, let's say, which is more than you need, but we'd order a whole bunch. And then we would get the entire team to stay late, or I'd hire a bunch of high school kids to come in on the weekend, and we would break them into three stacks, actually four stacks, but three big stacks and one smaller stack. And then you'd write the price. So what you do in these cards, okay, first of all, do you do window cleaning or just house washing? 
Yes, window, window cleaning, house washing, gutter cleaning. Okay, so what you do, it's really important that the card is set up correctly. And what you want to do is you're going to have a spot that says window cleaning with a line, house washing with a line, gutter cleaning with a, a blank line, and Christmas lights with a blank line or whatever, maybe four services. Don't put window cleaning inside and out. Don't put you know, a bunch of copy on there that's like explains a bunch of stuff about how you're the greatest thing ever. Keep it really clean and simple. And when you fill out the cards, you're basically going to determine up front what, what's an on average outside only window cleaning price for a small house. Then you'll say 99 or 149 or whatever. So on, on stack one for window cleaning, you put small prices for all four of those services. So you put you know, 99 for house wash, you put 299 for gutter cleaning, you put whatever, and for Christmas lights, you put whatever. And then you do yeah. that for that entire stack. And then you raise the prices for stack two to, you know, quote unquote, medium sized houses. And for stack three, for large houses. The smaller fourth stack, you leave blank. Because you're going to need to have those on hand if you get a weird house or some mega mansion looking thing, right? So <laughs> the reason you do that is these cards are not quotes. They're phone call generators. This is the hardest thing for people to wrap their head around. They get really freaked out. So you're not being disingenuous. You're trying to give accurate pricing. But when they call, they don't know what it includes, right? It just says window cleaning, 99. They're going to call. And then your office person says, you know, thank you for calling. They say, I got a, I got a card. And then she's going to say, Oh, awesome. Let me explain how that works. Uh, first of all, the prices on the card, they are real prices. Uh, but we did just briefly look at your home from the street because we're in the area. Uh, the next step is for us to stop by and just leave you a full pricing sheet. If you have any questions, you know, we can answer those. What works best for you mornings or afternoons? Bam. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. That's the flow of it. Okay. And, um, and so, you know, you're only looking at the, the house from the from the street, right? So they'll say, well, is this a real price or not? I don't want it. Why do you, why do you got to give me an estimate? Well, because we couldn't see the back of their home, and we just need to, you know, to give you a firm quote, we need to blah, blah, blah. If they're, like, totally psycho about it, they're just not the right people. This works, and cool. it's very rare to have rude people yeah, from it. Because you're not baiting switch. You're not going to have your guy yeah. leave a 99 card at a McMansion where it should be 700 yeah. bucks. Okay. All right, no, I'm seeing how this is working here. Um, yeah, so I, so I got it all right down the four stacks, small, medium, large. Last blank question I have is what about having these prices already typed onto the cards? That that, that takes away the personalization, though, but exactly. it also yep. helps helps us with the speed. <laughs> so it's like you don't have to write the prices in. But, you um, can. You can use, like, a handwriting font with a different type of ink color, and you can print them. I've done that. I've done that. You'll just get a lower response rate. Yeah, but I'm going to my response rate. I, Try I feel both. Like, um, Try both. Yeah. Order 500, okay. one, or, or not 500, that's not enough. Order like 1,000 with the prices written, and then 1,000 handwritten. Make sure they're the same size. So if, if you decide to use your medium-sized home as the ones you print, then, then pass out 1,000 medium cards that are handwritten in, in totally different areas and just see what happens. Okay. All right. And then um, I guess I know this is a troubleshoot question. But I don't know if you've from experience. What size and color and, and gloss? Like how? We just I mean, did I know that six postcards. They're small little postcards. We stick them uh, either like in their 
newspaper box or we'd stick them on the flag of their mailbox, which you're not allowed to do, but we did it anyway. Or we'd stick it um, like on their front door if the homes are really close together and just kind of wedge it in the in the door jam. Uh, so we weren't knocking doors. It was just mass blanket bombing of getting yeah. things out. Okay. All right. They're just All right. a four by six card. Yeah. And what we did on ours is the front, you got to have an expiration date at the top right. And you handwrite that too. And, but you don't put an actual date. You put like 15, you put 15th or 22nd. And that way, if you don't get those cards out, they're still good for the next month. I see. That makes sense. Okay. And you put it about yeah, two weeks out from the day that you're doing it. So when you handwrite them out, make it two weeks out. That gives you a solid seven to ten days to get those ones out. And if you don't get them all out, you just do it the next month. Okay. I'll give them a little bit of a push so they see that there's an expiration date on it. And then I, I see why you said to, to write it in because you, you don't want to get stuck with some cards that have printed out an expiration date that's expired. So, Right. Yeah, man, okay. I live this journey, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you have. That's why I'm on the phone with you for sure. No, you got a lot of value, man, and I uh, I listened to your uh, podcast just ritually. So, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for how much um, you've grown my business because I know that I would not be at the scale that I'm at if it weren't for you. That's that's the truth, man. I I, uh, I definitely have a lot to thank you. Even my guys are, like, asking me, like, man, like, you, you've changed a lot of stuff this year. Like, you know, what's going on, you know? And, and uh, you know, I've just said, hey, man, I got a mentor that's done this before, and, and I'm just following what he's done, and it's, it's working. And it, it is, you know. So awesome. Well, what's good about you, maybe it's because you're a fighter, but you just take action, man. You just do it. You wouldn't believe them on the people that I'll talk to, and they're amazing humans, but... They just won't do it. They overthink it. They get weird about it. And instead of doing something imperfectly and beginning the process, they just kind of never get there. Like another guy that's a – do you know Bobby Walker? Yeah, I, yep, I do. So Bobby, I first talked to him right when he very first started his company. And <laughs> I don't think he, like – I think I kind of, like, offended him on accident. We were talking for a few minutes, and he's like, how do I do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And they were just starting. And I told him more or less exactly what I'm telling you right now. I said, listen, nothing matters. This is the only thing you need to do. Do this forever and ever until you hate it and want to throw up. And don't stop. And call me back after you make up, you know, 50 grand or something. And so, but you know what? He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to hear that. Uh, but he did it. And he got a huge, giant result. I mean, his company is going to do, I think, 400 this year, real close. And he's like, he's been doing it for like 18 months or something. Um, well, he just he just took it and did it and went crazy on it. He hates flyers. He hates it, but it works. And so he did it. Did it. He's built a huge thing really fast. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, eighteen months with four hundred. That's a that's a that's no. Yeah, that's a. Well, he's also obsessed with reviews, you know. So that's another really important thing. And it's more important now than it was even when I had my. It's been over three years since I sold my company. Um, so it's not in a lot of like the teaching and stuff that I made back then, but if I had my company now, I would be hyper-focused and use your office manager and pay her money for every review she gets for you. You know, like it's that important. You want to have 200 reviews when your next competitor has 11. Like you want it to be yeah. like that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. it's You want to just destroy in terms of reviews. Awesome. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. I mean, I've got everything wrote down here. I got a lot to work on, that's for sure. So, um, that's <laughs> right, yeah, that, that's it. I'm gonna get these flyers ready to go and all this other stuff. And um, and yeah, I'll be looking for that email. Um, you know, and I'll get all the numbers and everything ready to go. And you say you, I'm gonna give you these numbers before, correct? Yeah. Okay. So um, AGSS. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'll send. We'll send an email out. I haven't. I don't have the form finished yet. Um, but it's not something that's going to be a big burden on you. It might take us twenty minutes or something to figure it out. It'll be good. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and then you know roughly when you're going to send that out. It'll be like a week or two before. Or? It's me sending it out. That one. You know, probably. I'm. I'm hoping to do it this week. I just. I don't know if I will. The end of next week would be the latest that it will go out. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure I got everything ready to go, and and um and then yeah, we'll go from there. I'll get you over those numbers, and I'll see you on the fourteenth. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends, and from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.